Good morning. Welcome again to Morning Devotions. I'm Pastor Samuel, the pastor of the Cathedral of Praise. And what a privilege to sit down with you and your family again and just have a wonderful time of worship and prayer and reading the Word together. But this is not to replace your morning devotions, all right? You, you need to spend time hearing God for yourself in Jesus' name and spend time reading the Word of God for yourself in Jesus' name. As we go to prayer today, I want to pray for especially our members that are struggling financially right now. Now, some of you, you've gotten way behind. I mean, you've had food on the table, but, you know, all of a sudden, Morelco is four or five months behind. You've got mortgage payments. You've got car payments. You need to understand your rights under the law, under this current situation, because this wasn't your making. I mean, it was the government who completely shut down our ability to earn. Because of that, the government has passed some laws. Now, Attorney Beltran, one of our ECS members, has put together a, a video that will help you understand what are your rights under the law when it comes to Morelco and bank loans and rental payments and all of these kind of things. So make, make sure that you listen to that and understand what your rights are and how long you have to pay things back. But at the same time, I want us to pray for God's provision. Because you don't want debt hanging over your head. And it's hard to pay, you know, things back when you get a backlog. So we want to ask God for a harvest for your family. Father, we come and we claim these promises now. Let the windows of heaven be open over the tither. Let an abundant harvest flow through onto their lives. Father, let there be more sales. Let there be more collections. Father, let there be no more delays in, in money that is owed them. Father, from bills and, and loans that they have made out, let all those things begin to come back in. Father, we ask this be a month of great harvest for every family. Let September be the month that things turn around in the name of Jesus. For every family, Father, that the pressure would be off, mom and dad, the pressure would be off trying to figure out how they're going to keep going. Father, let calls be given to return to work with bonuses, Father, and back pay paid, Father. We ask in Jesus' name, let this be a month of harvest in Jesus' name. Father, let your provision flow to their lives. Father, they can't keep under all the pressure from all the different sources. We ask you, Lord, in the name of Jesus, let your faithfulness flow to each family. Let these financial needs be met. Father, let all these bills be paid in the name of Jesus. Let money flow in from unexpected sources, Father. Let sales of property that have long just been sitting there and unable to sell, let buyers come with ready cash. Father, in Jesus' name, bring provision to your people. Bring bonuses, Father. Bring funds from relatives that, that Lord, they've long borrowed and never paid back. Father, in Jesus' name, let this be a season of gathering in to pay all of these debts. And Father, let it not be a thing where they have to go and fight for the money. Let it be a thing where they are approached, Father. I thank you for it. Lord, your word has promised that you would meet all of our needs according to your riches and glory through Christ Jesus, not according to COVID-19. COVID-19 is not Lord. COVID-19 is not where we have stored up our treasure. Lord, let the windows of heaven be open over your sons and daughters. And Father, let provision flow to their families. I thank you for it, Father, in Jesus' name. Now, let me encourage you to every day begin to pray for your harvest.
one of the biggest mistakes, and you've heard me say this a lot all during this COVID-19, one of the biggest mistakes I find Christians making is you, you've sowed seed and you, you forget about the field. You, you, you forget about the seed that you've sown. Now, brothers and sisters, COP, you, you are great sowers. You are faithful tithers. This is a season for you to reap your harvest. This is a season for you to prove God and see the faithfulness of God in your life. Every day, now you need faith, but every day, pray. Thank God for his faithfulness. Every day, pray and ask God to bring in the harvest. Every day, remind the Lord that you brought this offering up as a memorial before him, as a remembrance before him, and watch the harvest flow. In just a few minutes, Sister Bev will be with us with Isaiah and how she loves Isaiah. But we're going to pick up today in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 1. Now, Paul, in context, has been going through his boasting. And I do have to admit, I smiled all day yesterday. I mean, I just, I just kept thinking about that passage over in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, where Paul said, He's, you know, they're always comparing Paul to these super apostles. And Paul said, are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they offspring of Abraham? So am I. Are they servants of Christ? I am a better one. <laughs> I, have, I have laughed about that all day yesterday. And I'm, as you can tell this morning, I'm still smiling about that one. I am a better one. I like that. Some of you that are listening to me, you you see Christian leaders and some of you young pastors that, you know what, they don't work hard. They just have big names and they have big marketing, but they really don't care for the sheep. It's all right for you once in a while to say, you know, I'm a better one. <laughs> I'll just leave that one alone. Let's get into chapter 12, verse 1, as Paul continues his boasting. He said, I must go on boasting. He said, though... There is nothing gained by it. Now, that, that's, a, that's something that you have to go ahead and just understand. When we go around and boast about ourselves, there's nothing gained by it. Paul understood that, but he's defending himself against these super apostles with their marketing campaign. He said, I will go on to visions and revelations of the Lord. He said, I know a man, and really this is Paul. All right, we'll see in just a few minutes. This is Paul. He said, I know a man in Christ. Here's a man who's in Christ. All right, so here's another one of those in Christ truths. He said, I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago was caught up to the third heaven. Whether in the body or out of the body, I do not know. God knows. So Paul says, Let, let's talk about this. He said, there's a first heaven there's a second heaven, and there's a third heaven. He said he was caught up to the third heaven. Not the second or the first, but the third heaven. He said, whether in the body or out of the body, I do not know. Paul said, I don't know whether he, he left his body behind to do this, or he was in his body. He said, I don't know. God knows. I know. Now, you're going to see why he knows in a minute, because this is Paul. He said, I know that this man was caught up into paradise. Whether in the body or out of the body, I do not know. God knows. So he, he says this twice. He said, listen, don't ask me to explain. He said, there are things that sometimes happen to us in a spiritual realm that are hard to explain. 
and he heard things that cannot be told, which man may not utter. All right, so there are revelations from heaven never to be spoken. Now, you, you have to understand that. Not, not everything you see should you go out and talk about. He said, on behalf of this man, I will boast, but not on my own behalf. I will, I will not boast except in my weaknesses. Though, if I should wish to boast, I would not be a fool, for I would be speaking the truth. <laughs> he said, you know, if you want somebody to brag, I can lay out the brag. He said, but I'd be speaking the truth. He said, but I refrain from it. Why? So that no one may think of me more than he sees or hears in me. Now, here is an incredible truth. Why Paul did not market himself. Now, notice, he would discuss his failures. He said, I will discuss my, my weaknesses, my failures. But he said, I, I don't like marketing myself and telling everybody all the great things about myself. And he said, there are two reasons for it. He said, number one, he said, I don't want anyone to think more than he sees in me. All right, so only what you can see and he said, only, only what you can hear today. He said, you know, it doesn't matter what I've done. It matters who I am today. Now, now brothers and sisters, you, you need to get a hold of this when it comes to, to spiritual leadership. You see, there are people that have great pasts, like in the book of Revelation 2 and 3. But it's just a reputation. There's nothing happening now. There's no anointing flowing now. There was an anointing that flowed 10 years ago, 15 years ago, 20 years, but there's no anointing flowing now. And Paul said, you know, to, to run around and market myself, he said, you know what, I want, I want your respect for me to be based on what you can see today, what you can see now. He said, that should be the basis of respect. All right, so the basis of respect He said, the basis of respect should be what you can see and hear now, not my past. So to keep me from being too elated for the surpassing greatness of the revelations, a thorn was given to me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from being too elated. All right, now you begin to understand uh, Paul is talking about himself here. He said, all right, because of these incredible revelations, he said, I was taken up to the third heaven. I saw things I can't utter. So to keep me from being too elated, he said, a thorn was given me, Paul's thorn in the flesh. Now, what is Paul's thorn in the flesh? Continue and you'll see it in context. Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. But he said, my grace is sufficient for you for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. 
Now, continue a little bit farther, then we'll come back. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content. Then, here, notice the word then. All right. He said, now, because of all of this, for the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecution, and calamities. For when I'm weak, then I'm strong. Now, notice what Paul is saying here. This messenger of Satan, this thorn in the flesh, was this persecution that just plagued him wherever he went. Now, brothers and sisters, if you have been insulted, if you've gone through hardships, if you've gone through persecution and calamities, then you understand it is, it keeps your feet on the ground. Let me put it to you that way. It keeps pride from dominating your life. Let me say that again. It keeps pride from dominating your life. So Paul said, you know what? I'm content in the weaknesses. I'm content in the persecution and the insults. He said, it, it keeps my feet on the ground. Uh, I was talking with a young pastor one time. And he said, Pastor Summerall, you know, God has shown me some of these so, such beautiful things. And he said, I just don't understand why... You know, I, I go to church and I've had this wonderful time in the Lord and God has shown me these beautiful things. And then I just get yelled at by this one sister after the church, after service. And it's like, Pastor, every week this lady just torments me. I said, <laughs> I said the Lord is keeping both of your feet on the ground. He's keeping you from being too elated in all of your revelations that you are receiving. Now, brothers and sisters, Straight talk for young pastors. Do you remember how Jesus said, he told the apostles, they said, what will be done for us? We've, we've left everything to follow you. And Jesus said, in this life, you'll receive a hundredfold return. But he said, um, with persecution. <laughs> persecution has a way of keeping both your feet on the ground. And so he said, I, I, I pleaded with the Lord that this should leave me. I, I, nobody else goes through what I'm going through. Nobody else gets the same persecution that I get. But he said, the Lord said, my grace is sufficient for you. and My power is made perfect in weakness. Now, brothers and sisters, it's one of the greatest truths that I can ever teach you about ministry. His power, his ability is made perfect or mature in our weaknesses. When we are weak, we are strong because his strength is perfected in our weaknesses. I will tell you that there are times I've stood up to preach and you never knew how sick I was. I had thrown up for hours the night before, eating some bad sushi, or I remember one time I got a bad egg. Oh, bad egg. I think that was the worst during this COVID-19. And we were live that morning and I came to you and I started throwing up everywhere in the middle of, of, of the devotions. During the, during the worship, I was in the toilet throwing up and then coming back and continuing. <laughs> and you never knew it. Now, say, Pastor, how can you do things like that? When I'm weak, I'm strong because his strength is perfected in my weakness. There's something about learning how to rely on God. There's something about learning to not rely on the arm of flesh, to rely on your own strength in ministry. So let me encourage you, when you walk into your connect group 
and you don't feel good, you're tired, you're wore out, you feel like, I have nothing to give, I'm exhausted. Rely upon him. His strength is perfected in your weakness. I just love that. Paul said, my grace is sufficient for you. That was God's answer to him. I have learned his grace is sufficient. His grace is sufficient to cover over my weaknesses, over my inabilities. Verse 11. I have been a fool. <laughs> he said, you forced it on me. He said, my goodness, because I should have been commended by you, but instead you're, you're, you're putting in my face all these, these super apostles and, and telling me that I have to measure up to them. He said, for I, am, I was not at all inferior to these super apostles, even though I'm nothing. <laughs> See, there's no pride in Paul. But neither is he going to let people put him down. And, and this, this is an important point. There's no pride, but neither would he accept a put-down. He said, you know, I'm not going to sit here and be insulted or put down by you folks. He said, the signs of a true apostle were, notice, a true apostle, so... There are claimed apostles, and then there are true apostles. Were performed among you with utmost patience, with signs, wonders, and mighty works. All right. So, how do you recognize an apostle? A true apostle. He said, well, there were signs. And those signs are signs, wonders, mighty works, and they're done with patience. He said, I'm not in a rush to do miracles. He said, I'm not in a rush to have this service done in, in one hour and 15 minutes, so all right, hurry up and let's have the miracles. He said, there's, there's patience here. He said, for in what were you less favored than the rest of the churches? He said, in comparing yourself with Philippi or Thessalonica or Ephesus or Berea, he said, except that I myself did not burden you, forgive me this wrong. Now, there's an important notice there. Forgive me this wrong. So Paul said, you know what? I took no support. And he said, you know what? That was wrong. He said, you should have been supporting me. Here for the third time, I'm ready to come to you. He said, and I will not be a burden. I'm not going to take your money. For I seek not what is yours, but you. Ah, there's a cool thing with Paul. Paul said, I don't want what you've got. I want you. He said, I, I've, I've given my life to you. He said, for the children are not obligated to save up for their parents, but parents for the children. He said, I'm your spiritual father. I will most gladly spend and be spent for your souls. If I love you more, am I to be loved less? Wow. Now notice, Paul says, I will spend and be spent. So he said, I'll spend my own money. I won't ask anything from you. And he said, I'll give my life. He said, if I love you more, 
Am I to be loved less? Now this is the response of people. He said, because I so gave myself to you and because I wouldn't take anything from you, he said, you love me less. Now there's some biblical reasons for that. Paul teaches us, or excuse me, Jesus teaches us that where our treasure is, our heart will be also. He said, you know, you made a decision to love me less because I wouldn't take anything from you. He said, but granting that I myself did not burden you, I was crafty, you say, and got the better of you by deceit. All right, their attitudes. Now, look, look at their attitudes. Did I take advantage of you through any of those I sent to you? Now, you can just hear these people clucking their tongues like chickens. You know, Paul didn't take anything from us, yes, but, but he sent others and they took money from us. Oh. He said, I got the better of you by deceit. That's your attitude? He said, I urged Titus to go and sent a brother with him. Did Titus take advantage of you? Did we not act in the same spirit? Did we not take the same steps? Now here's a true son of the faith. Paul said, Titus acted just like me. He didn't take advantage of you. He said, we have the same spirit and we have the same steps. Have you been thinking all along that we have been defending ourselves to you? It is in the sight of God that we have been speaking in Christ. And all for your upbuilding, beloved. He said, listen, I'm not sitting here defending myself to you. He said, the things I'm telling you are for your spiritual growth. He said, you, you sit here and you listen to everything I say as if I'm trying to defend myself to you. He said, he said, in Christ, I'm speaking to you to build you up. He said, these other people, they're just taking from you, and I'm trying to give you an understanding. For I fear that perhaps when I come, I may not find you as I wish, and that I may f you may not find me as you wish. That perhaps there may be quarreling, jealousy, anger, hostility, slander, gossip, conceit, and disorder. And I fear that when I come again, God, my God may humble me before you, and that I may have to mourn over those who have sinned earlier and have not repented of impurity, sexual immorality, and sensuality they have practiced. So Paul said, listen, you know what? I'm really concerned that when I come to you this next time, you will not have repented. You will not have changed. And he said, I'm concerned that you're not going to find me like you want me to be. You want me to be your loving spiritual father. And he said, you know what? I'm going to have to kick your butt a little bit. I'm going to have to get out the spiritual paddle and discipline you a little bit. He said, you know what? I don't want to do that. I don't want to have to be like that. But if I'm a spiritual father and there's these things going on among you, Paul said, I, I've got to do that. He said, so why don't you just live right, and then when we come together, we can just have a wonderful time in Jesus and enjoy the fellowship together. And there, there'll be no need for correction, and there'll be no dis need for discipline, and there'll be no need for rebuke. He said, the way you are acting is going to control how I can be when I'm there.
He said, I can't just come in and be like these super apostles that really want you to like them so that they say whatever you want to hear. He said, I'm your spiritual father. I'm going to come in and do what needs to be done. So please get everything cleaned up. Get your lives cleaned up before I get there. All right, let's open up our hearts and spend some more time in worship. Holy, marvelous, omnipotent, healer, wonderful, savior, faithful, creator, awesome. everything, redeemer, powerful, glorious, marvelous, wonderful, everything, omnipotent, marvelous, powerful, creator, awesome, glorious, wonderful, mighty. Lord your mighty, 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 Lord your mighty,
Welcome back to Isaiah. It's a pleasure to be with you for pretty much this whole month of September as we go through the book of Isaiah in our daily Bible reading. So if you're following with us year after year, you see the same markings, which chapters are to be read, Old Testament, New Testament, Psalms and Proverbs to get you through the Bible in one year. Today, our Isaiah reading starts in chapter 25. Chapter 25 of Isaiah is a song. There are several times in the book of Isaiah, as you know, where Isaiah just bursts into song or bursts into praise as he's giving his prophetic words, as he's giving his oracles. And of course, we have been around all the nations around Judah, to the east, to the west, to the north, to the south, and over into the continent of Africa, we've seen oracles that Isaiah has brought for many of these nations. But every once in a while, he's so overwhelmed by the power and the authority of God and the goodness of God and the mercy and compassion of God, and he just bursts into praise and starts giving glory to God. And so he's a prophet. Apparently he must be a singer as well because, or someone who loves to sing. I know some people who love to sing. They're not necessarily a singer. Hmm. You know what I mean? <laughs> but in Isaiah's case, he would burst into these beautiful songs. So Chapter 12, chapter 25, chapter 26, and chapter 35 are all songs. This that we're going to start reading today is one of those songs that he burst into, and it is beautiful. That's why it's kind of like Isaiah, David, they both were inspired by the Holy Spirit to pen the most beautiful praises to God. So we find these treasures in the midst of the the nation of the tour of nations where we see the oracles of judgment. We find these find these treasures of praise. It's just beautiful. Oh Lord, you are my God. 
I will exalt you. I will praise your name. Sounds like the Psalms, doesn't it? For you have done wonderful things, plans formed of old, faithful and sure. Oh, one thing for sure, plans formed of old. God has laid out your life with wonderful things planned for you. God has laid out, he has plans for you. You know that verse from Jeremiah, don't you? That God knows the plans. I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Plans to prosper you and help you and give you a future and give you hope and show compassion and pour out forgiveness and all of those good, wonderful things. Not plans to harm you or hurt you. You have a beautiful future when you follow the plans that God has laid out for your life. And it says you have done wondrous things. You know, in our Christian life, we should not limit God to the normal, but we should expect the wondrous. We should not limit God to the normal, but expect the wondrous. We should expect wondrous things, because that's what it says. He does wonderful things. It's wondrous, the works of the Lord. Don't limit God in your prayers. Lord, if I could just have just this, but God wants to give you this. It just so reminds me of the vision that God gave me as our revival was, the river revival was starting years ago. And the Lord showed me a vision where I was swimming in a river and God held up this, Jesus was there in the river and he held up this little black fish. <laughs> and he said to me, why are you living on this? And I said, you know me, Lord, that's enough for me. As I've always been a simple girl. I've never been extravagant. I've never been someone who has to have this and that. I said, you know me, Lord, that's enough for me. And Jesus dipped his hand back down into the water and came up. He was holding this beautiful, big, red and gold fish, beautiful fish. And he said, but what if I want you to have this? And that changed me so much as I realized that God wants to pour out blessings even on me. And you need to realize that, that God does wondrous things. And in our Christian lives, we should not just expect normal. We should expect wondrous, wonderful things. If you need healing, be like one of those lepers that not only got healed, as in the leprosy did not progress anymore, be like one of those lepers that was made whole, wherein it was as though he never had leprosy. <laughs> if you've got a heart condition, don't be one of those people that, oh, well, okay, the heart condition will just stop. Be one of those people that's healed of heart condition, and now you have the heart of a teenager. <laughs> Expect wondrous things from the Lord. Isaiah had this revelation of God. He had this understanding that God would do wonderful things. And you know what? Such a revelation it doesn't come from watching hours of Netflix every night. It doesn't come from catching up with your favorite telenovelas. 
it comes from spending time with the Lord, then you understand how God is, his character, his ways. You get to know him and you get to know that normal is not how he operates. <laughs> he operates in wonderful. And, you know, we can apply this in so many different ways. As it says, the socio-psycho-physio norms in this world, the problems and the solutions of man, should not be our way of thinking. You know, it's true, if you think about it, in the New Testament, benevolence in the New Testament church it was a means of taking care of their own, widows, orphans. It was not their primary means of evangelism. But when you go around the world today, what do you see? In church after church, in nation after nation, it's not that it's bad to do benevolence. It's that that's, that is their means of evangelism. In the New Testament church, that wasn't their primary means of evangelism. It was their means of taking care of their own. Their primary means of evangelism was to preach the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ with signs and wonders following, miracles taking place, healings taking place. That is the primary means of evangelism. It's not normal. It's wonderful. God's ways are wonderful. So we need to think that way. Think about God doing wonderful things. For, it says, verse 2, yes, we need to move on. For you have made the city a heap, the fortified city a ruin. The foreigner's palace is a city no more. It will never be rebuilt. Therefore, strong peoples will glorify you. Cities of ruthless nations will fear you. For you have been a stronghold to the poor, a stronghold to the needy in his distress, a shelter from the storm and a shade from the heat. For the breath of the ruthless is like a storm against a wall, like heat in a dry place. You subdue the noise of the foreigners as heat by the shade of a cloud. So the song of the ruthless is put down. There's one of those songs of in the book of Isaiah. I think it was yesterday that we saw the song of the prostitute, and now we see the song of the ruthless. On this mountain, the Lord of hosts will make for all peoples a feast of rich food, a feast of well-aged wine, of rich food full of marrow, of aged wine well-refined, and he will swallow up on this mountain the covering that is cast over all peoples, the veil that is spread over all nations, he will swallow up death forever. And the Lord God will wipe away tears from all faces. And the reproach of his people will be taken away from all the earth. For the Lord has spoken. What authority? For the Lord has spoken. What authority are you coming from? The word of God. What authority do you need? The word of God. For the Lord has spoken. And what beautiful things he speaks of our future. The Lord will wipe away tears from all faces. Turn your face to the Lord today. Don't cry. Let him wipe away your tears. It will be said on that day, 
Behold, this is our God. Oh, yes, we can know, we can define by the acts of God, by the ways of God. We know when, when God is moving, this is our God. Yes, this is our God. But on that day, it will be said, it will said, this is our God. We have waited for him that he might save us. This is the Lord. We have waited for him. Let us be glad and rejoice in his salvation. For the hand of the Lord will rest on this mountain, and Moab shall be trampled down in his place, as straw is trampled down in a dunghill. And he will spread out his hands in the midst of it, as a swimmer spreads out his hands to swim. But the Lord will lay low his pompous pride, together with the skill of his hands. And the high fortification of his walls he will bring down, lay low and cast to the ground, to the dust. Now chapter 26 is another of the songs. There are four chapters in the book of Isaiah. Chapter 12, chapter 25, chapter 26, and 35 that are songs where Isaiah can't contain it anymore. He bursts into praise to the Lord and sings praise to God. And chapter 26 is one of our favorites, as you know. Chapter 26 says, in that day, this song will be sung in the land of Judah. In that day, so it's a day, not Isaiah's day, but a day still to come. This song will be sung in the land of Judah. We have a strong city. Oh, what a beautiful statement. Remember, these are the people that in just the previous chapters that we read, in contrast to having a strong city, remember counting the houses in the, in the city to see, okay, we've got so many holes in the defenses, in the walls. Let's count the houses and see what is absolutely not needed so we can tear them down and repair the breaches in the walls. What man can do, what God can do. What a contrast. Who are you trusting? What man can do, what God can do. He is a wall around us. We have a strong city. He sets up salvation as walls and bulwarks. Oh, we are so familiar with that concept. He sets up salvation, that word Yeshua. All right, are you in Jesus? Are you in him? Is he in you and you in him? That's how our salvation works, right? We are in him and he is in us. We have accepted him as Lord and Savior of our lives. And he is in us, but also we are in him. We are in him. I am in Jesus and I am safe there. Yeshua, it means victory, salvation, safety, forgiveness, health, well-being. It means all of these things. And I am right there in the middle. And these things are a wall around me. Jesus is a wall around me. There is no enemy that can come against me because that enemy will encounter Jesus. He is a wall around me. Remember, he is my fortress, my refuge, my shield, and my buckler. 
Now, when we have been discussing Psalm 91 in our evening services, we've said that a buckler, another word, is a bulwark. And here it says he sets up salvation as walls and bulwarks. And a bulwark is something that, it's a fortress. It surrounds us. Do you feel safe? Do you feel sheltered? You should, because you are in Jesus. Open the gates that the righteous nation that keeps faith may enter in. You keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. See, if you are keeping your mind on Jesus, setting your mind on heavenly things, not on things of this earth, but if you're setting your mind on Jesus, his beauty, his righteousness, his goodness, his compassion, his word, his promises. If you do that, that's your part. But he's the one in charge of your peace. He will keep you in perfect peace because you set your mind on him and you trust him. He will do it. You don't have to struggle for peace. Oh, I just, I just need some peace as you're hyperventilating. I just need some peace. He's in charge of your peace. He is your peace. He is peace to you. He will keep you in perfect peace. What's your job? Keep your mind on him. Trust in him. Verse 14, trust in the Lord forever. For the Lord God is an everlasting rock. Have you ever thought, what is the alternative to a mind that is stayed on him? It's the mind that is fixed on everything else, the mind that is fixed on the news, the mind that is fixed on the computer games, the mind that is fixed on the telenovelas, the mind that is fixed on your family going, oh, I have all these problems. When your mind can say, all right, I acknowledge them, like Abraham, look honestly at the things that are happening, but say, yes, but God and trust in the Lord. Fill your heart and fill your mind. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, Colossians says, Paul says in Colossians. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly because, as it says in Hebrews, there remains a rest for the people of God. Oh, and a rest sounds like a good thing. For he has humbled the inhabitants of the height, the lofty city, he lays it low, lays it low to the ground, casts it to the dust. The foot tramples it, the feet of the poor, the steps of the needy. The path of the righteous is level. You make level the way of the righteous. In the path of your judgments, O Lord, we wait for you. Your name and remembrance are the desire of our souls. That's the ESV. NIV, other versions, your name and renown are the desire of our hearts. Whose name, whose fame is important to me? Is it my own? Oh, then I might begin to sound a little bit like Shebna. In Isaiah 22, we read about him. Shebna, who all he could think about was hewing out from the rocks a monument to himself. 
Oh, what a goal in life. <laughs> what a goal in life. All he could see was himself. And what a contrast to Isaiah, who only wanted the fame of God. Your name, your fame, your renown, your remembrance. When people are going to think of the things that I did and said in my life, they're going to think well of our God. How different and how different the outcome. Shebna ended up, God took him like a, uh, rolled him up like a ball and threw him into a far place where he would roll around for a while. What a difference. What a contrast. Whose name and fame are we after? Verse 9. My soul yearns for you in the night. My spirit within me earnestly seeks you. Again, doesn't this sound like the Psalms? Doesn't it just sound like something David would write? But this is also Isaiah inspired by the Holy Spirit writing something that was sung. This is a song. For when your judgments are in the earth, the inhabitants of the world learn righteousness. If favor is shown to the wicked, he does not learn righteousness. Another translation uses the word grace. If grace is shown to the wicked, he does not learn righteousness. And we have seen that in our previous reading in Isaiah. In the land of uprightness, he deals corruptly and does not see the majesty of the Lord. O Lord, your hand is lifted up, but they do not see it. Let them see your zeal for your people and be ashamed. Let them see, in other words, what God is doing in your life. And let you know, these neighbors who don't want to acknowledge the Lord, let them see God's goodness in your life. And let them say, oh, I guess my boasting was premature. Yes, let's put it that way. Let the fire for your adversaries consume them. O oh Lord, you will ordain peace for us. Another translation, Lord, you have established peace for us. See, I told you, our peace, that's God's job. Our peace is in God's hands. Our, our role is to do God's work, to do his ways, to keep our mind fixed on him. His role is to make us a people of peace, peace within, flooded with the peace of God, peace with God and the peace of God. O oh Lord, you will ordain peace for us, for you have indeed done for us all our works. Or in other words, another translation, all that we have accomplished, you have done for us. That's the NIV. All that we have accomplished. You might, don't be like King Nebuchadnezzar, King Nebuchadnezzar, never got it. Don't be like him as he looked out over his domain. And, and felt so proud. Oh, my hand has done this. Mm -mm. Remember what happened to him? Seven years living like a llama, living like a wild beast out in the fields, eating the grass, being drenched with the dew. Don't ever think that we have accomplished it ourselves, but the good Lord above has accomplished all these things in our lives. Oh, Lord, our God, other lords besides you have ruled over us, but your name alone we bring to remembrance. They are dead. 
they will not live. They are shades. They will not arise. To that end, you have visited them with destruction and wiped out all remembrance of them. But you have increased the nation, O Lord. You have increased the nation. You are glorified. You have enlarged all the borders of the land. O Lord, in distress, they sought you. They poured out a whispered prayer when your discipline was upon them. Like a pregnant woman who writhes and cries out in her pangs when she's near to giving birth, so we were because of you, O Lord. We were pregnant, we writhed, but we have given birth to wind. We have accomplished no deliverance in the earth, and the inhabitants of the world have not fallen. Your dead shall live, their bodies shall rise. You who dwell in the dust, awake and sing for joy, for your dew is a dew of light, and the earth will give birth to the dead. Come, my people, enter your chambers, shut your doors behind you, hide yourselves for a little while until the fury has passed. For behold, the Lord is coming out from his place to punish the inhabitants of the earth for their iniquity, and the earth will disclose the bloodshed on it and will no more cover its slain. Chapter 27. In that day, in that day, the Lord with his hard and great and strong sword will punish Leviathan, the fleeing serpent, Leviathan, the twisting serpent, and he will slay the dragon that is in the sea. In that day, a pleasant vineyard, sing of it. You know, we are to sing about how God takes care of us. We are to sing about the work of God in our lives. We're to sing that he is faithful and he has been good to us. Amen. I, the Lord, am its keeper. Every moment I water it, lest anyone punish it. I keep it night and day. I have no wrath. Would that I had thorns and briars to battle. I would march against them. I would burn them up together or let them lay hold of my protection. Let them make peace with me. Let them make peace with me. In days to come, Jacob shall take root. Israel shall blossom and put forth shoots and fill the whole world with fruit. Has he struck them as he struck those who struck them? Or have they been slain as their slayers were slain? Measure by measure, by exile you contended with them. He removed them with his fierce breath in the day of the east wind. Therefore, by this the guilt of Jacob shall be atoned for, and this will be the full fruit of the removal of his sin. When he makes all the stones of the altars like chalk stones crushed, to pieces. No asherim, no incense altars will remain standing, for the fortified city is solitary, a habitation deserted and forsaken like the wilderness. There the calf grazes. There it lies down and strips its branches. When its boughs are dry, they are broken. Women come and make a fire of them, for this is a people without discernment. Therefore, he who made them will not have compassion on them. He who formed them will show them no favor. In that day, from the river Euphrates to the brook of Egypt, the Lord will thresh out the grain, and you will be gleaned one by one, O people of Israel. And in that day, a great trumpet will be blown, and those who were lost in the land of Assyria and those who were driven out to the land of Egypt will come and worship the Lord 
on the holy mountain at Jerusalem. And that is a very beautiful phrase to end our Isaiah reading for today. Thank you so much for joining us for this time. Please do join us again online tonight for our COP online evening service at 7 p.m. God bless.